Welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. This is the show for customer service managers, VPs of customer experience, and all of you other CXers out there. Every week, we are going to dig into topics, challenges, wins, and updates in the CX customer service community. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Thank you so much for being a part of the CX Chronicles Nation. We are incredibly excited for today's show as we welcome Nate Chai, Head of Customer Experience Operations at Thumbtack. Back in 2008, the founders of Thumbtack asked a simple question that would later become their company's mission. Why is it still so hard to hire a plumber, a piano teacher, or any local professional for that matter? They believed in the era of instant everything that it's crazy you still have to waste an entire afternoon researching, calling, and vetting local pros whenever you need one. So they set out to make it easier. Today, millions of customers use Thumbtack technology to find and hire small businesses across the whole country. And we're talking to the man that leads up the team of CX reps and agents that manages those customers each and every day. Prior to leading the team over at Thumbtack, Nate spent over a decade in executive CX and CS positions at Allencom. Allencom continues to develop innovative approaches to customer corporate training. Their focus areas include training and development, custom courseware development, performance consulting, learning management systems, and instructional design. With over 15 plus years of working with clients on organizational change, performance technologies, and experience design with many perspectives, Nate spent time specifically as the director of a top-notch consulting and account management team, as head of a product strategy and marketing group, as general manager of a cloud-based technology division, and even as a teacher in the classroom. This cross-functional perspective has helped Nate learn to appreciate the nuances that matter to long-term organizational success and work with many of the best-known brands in the country on their highest-profile performance challenges. Nate is part designer, part strategist, and happiest when working with good people on innovations and technologies that improve experiences and outcomes. Ladies and gents, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nate Chai, Head of Customer Experience Operations at Thumbtack to the CX Chronicles podcast. Freshdesk, everything you need to redefine your customer support. Keep track of conversations, resolve your customer issues, support your customer across all channels, and increase your team's productivity. Check out Freshdesk at freshdesk.com today. Right, guys, how we doing today? Here we are um, with Nate Chai, Head of Customer Experience Operations at Thumbtack. Nate, thank you so much for joining the CX Chronicles podcast today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Adrian. Absolutely. So, Nate, we'll hop right into the show today. Um, I'd love to start off the, today's episode just by having you take five minutes to chat with the CX Nation about your personal customer experience and service journey. How'd you get started, Nate? Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure what the right way into CX is, um, but I, I guess I probably came in a roundabout fashion into CX. Um, I actually started 
my professional life thinking I was going to be an academic. I, you know, signed my waiver of poverty for the rest of my life to, <laughs> you know, just stay and teach forever. Um, I did that for about two or three years focused on, uh, media and communication kinds of stuff, rhetoric specifically, if people, you know, know what that is. Um, and, uh, I think it does tie into customer experience, although I, I didn't think of it in these terms at the time in the sense that that's all about how you use various media, persuade and change people's minds and feelings. Um, so you know, taught at, at the university level for uh, about three years and then got persuaded to uh, join a, a little startup. Um, some friends had pitched a business idea. I thought it was an interesting idea. It aligned with what I wanted to do. So I made a big jump and changed careers. Um, did that for about three or four years. It was a great ride. Learned a ton about the business side because, you know, you're just suddenly up to your ears in um, the financial side, the operations side, how you market, all of that kind of stuff. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, so was, that was foundational experience for me in the business world. We were essentially competing against Kaplan. We opened uh, several locations around the western U.S. and some feeder programs in Brazil and Mexico and, and helped you know, a variety of different graduate students prepare for their college admissions exams, their graduate college admissions exams, um, as well as other, you know, services related to that. Um, so we dealt with, you know, literally thousands of students a year. It was really rewarding. Um, eventually, for various reasons, uh, I decided to sell my share of that. We went into, um, and, and I joined a, a company here in Salt Lake, where, where I still work and live, um, focused on, uh, technology, performance, learning, kind of custom learning and performance issues for mostly Fortune 1000 type companies. Okay. And I led the consulting team there for a while and eventually, you know, moved into um, product marketing and uh, leading the, the technologies division there. Um, a lot of that was very focused on the experience that drives performance, although much of it internal. Well, I shouldn't say that, actually. About 50% of our work was was, was market-facing. Okay. That could be projects like, um, you know, for HP working on their brand. Uh, at the time, they were interested in consolidating their brand, um, ironically, because they later split into two companies. But they wanted one version of their brand story, and we were trying to tell that to you know all of their channel partners to help them understand HP brand and and so forth. So it was projects like that, all the way to on the flip side, you know, if working with various, for example, retailers on a new manager performance initiatives. How do you get them performing at speed, or um, how do you onboard at Boeing? Uh, things like that. So we were very much focused on an experience of a sort, but it wasn't traditional customer experience work even then. Um, in the last year and a half, uh, I, I had a chance to come over to Thumbtack, love the vision of the company, love the kind of attitude and culture of the company, and um, just sort of said, hey, find me a chair, and, and I would love to come and be a part <laughs> of this thing wherever you want me. And that worked out, and, and I found myself, you know, kind of plugged in here, leading a couple of different teams. So our customer experience strategy, our support team, um, both here and abroad, uh, quality and insights team that we have, and, and our learning and content team. So we kind of rolled those all together to create a team focused on customer experience. It's exciting. It's awesome. I think we have a lot of work to do still to get where we want to go, but, you know, who doesn't? So, absolutely, um, Yeah. That's, that's kind of my story. Nate, that's awesome. That's a great story. I mean, you've gotten to, uh, 
you know, for the, for the folks listening, as, as Nate and I um, have been catching up over the last several weeks, I mean, you really have seen a number of different um, different parts of the business. You've also spent a lot of time thinking about customer experience and customer interactions from a variety of different vantage points. And that's one of the things that I found so interesting from, from your personal experience, Nate. I know a lot of folks that we have on, on the CX Chronicles podcast, they have your traditional, you know, they've, they've been 10, 15, 20 years, right, in customer service, customer experience, uh, contact center management, all that. You've been able to kind of really think about experience from a, from, from a number of different vantage points. And I find it super fascinating. I really do. And it must be super helpful having some of that experience as you're now helping to, uh, to build and lead the customer experience team at Thumbtack each and every day. Yeah, I, I, I really think so. Um, I, I think it's, it's helped me kind of come at problems in a slightly different way, maybe thinking about traditional metrics in a different way, um, thinking about messaging and, and marketing tie-ins and product tie-ins, um, just understanding that universe and having lived in that universe for a while. Uh, it's been really useful. Um, so, yeah, I like to think so. At times I worry it makes me a little bit of a generalist, but most <laughs> no, of the time I no. feel like, you know, it. It, it, it informs my perspective in a way that's unique and helpful here. I, I, I absolutely agree with that, sir. I definitely do. Nate, as you know, we spend a ton of time at the CX Chronicles podcast talking about the four CX success pillars, team, tools, process, and feedback. Um, I'd, mm-hmm. love, I'd love to, to start just kind of ask you about which CX success pillar you personally spend most of your time thinking about as it comes to uh, leading and managing your team at Thumbtack? Yeah, oh, that's it's, it's such an interesting question because it's, you know, it's like choosing your favorite child or something. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it depends, depends on the day and who who's doing what. But 100%. Yep. I, think, I, I think if I had to, if I had to just pick one, um, it, it would be team. Um, simply because I... I feel like it's almost a non-starter if you have tools, process, and feedback without the right team in place. Um, and, and I suppose you could argue some of the alternatives, you know, that, wow, without the right tools, process, and feedback, your team's not going to be in, as effective as they could be. But, you know, in, in starting out and spinning up that cycle of all four of those things working well, that's the place I've always started. Um, and, it, you know, I've, I feel fortunate here and in other roles to have been able to uh, work with great people who I've learned a lot from. Um, so that's really the place that I start is with the team, finding the right people who I bring the right attitudes. I think we – this is the thing I love about Thumbtack, and it, it jives very well with my own sense of, you know, what building a great team means. But we emphasize psychological safety um, quite a bit. You know, do people feel safe speaking up and saying this isn't working or this isn't right or, you know, I've run into a problem without feeling, you know, unfairly penalized. So we emphasize that quite a bit. And then we we lean really heavily into some of the principles around, uh, you know, just kind of that the drive mentality of um, Dan Pink and others. You know, do do the does a team have the autonomy to make its decisions? Does it have the purpose and clarity of the vision we're going after and what those targets are as they make decisions and do they have um, kind of the, the mastery of the ability to get better and make progress over time and feel like we're, you know, actually learning this trade that's valuable. Um, so those are all principles we emphasize quite a bit here in the team. Of course, all of that is in service of being really, really focused on our pros um, who are our customers, 
right? So these are professionals in many service categories, 900 different, well, close to 1,000 actually, different service categories. Um, all of that is in service of hearing them and that feedback loop and all of that. But I, I do believe it starts with the team and setting up the right team culture that we can move fast, not be afraid of mistakes, take, you know, calculated risks and um, work together very, very well. So, so those are the things I've emphasized. It starts with the team for me. I, I, I love it. And, 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 you know, Nate, I definitely agree. I know in my past experiences, the team has always been one of the very first things that you get to work on. So I completely agree with that. You know, I want to follow up on something that you mentioned, uh, uh, like a psychological safe zone or something like that with your team. Mm-hmm. Nate, that's, that's super helpful. Can you, can you get a little bit more granular with talking with some of the listeners about what are some of the, the tricks or the tips, the things that you've done managing all these different folks across your career to get people in that comfortable space or in that safe zone where maybe they've got fantastic ideas, they're super smart, they're highly engaged, but they're nervous chatting at the team meeting. How do you get people to kind of um, ante up some of those ideas and put out some of that great that great stuff? How do you get them to bring it out and, and, and give it to the team? Yeah. Oh, I think it's, it's an ongoing challenge. Um, something I prioritize or try to anyway, highly every, every week. Um, you know, I think there's that old principle of the golden mean, uh, where, you know, you take bravery and you say, that's a great idea. Everybody should be brave. You know, let's, let's do that. But you push it too far and suddenly you're reckless. Sure. Um, and you pull back too far and then, you know, you're, you're not really brave. You're, you're cowardly. I think that same principle applies for psychological safety because you constantly run into these places where you can see a team member probably heading the wrong direction um, or making a decision that's maybe not right or taking too long. Let's say that's a common one. You know, know, we could get there faster. I just need to tell them the answer. Um, and, and you have to, I feel like balance that against, you know, what, the longer term benefits to the team are of letting them find their own way of maybe letting them make mistakes occasionally. Um, but it is something that I think in, in the day to day, you have to kind of think about because the temptation is to just say, Oh no, that's wrong. Do this instead. And suddenly you've told that you've trained that team member to think, Oh, my feedback doesn't really matter. I should just ask what I should do from here on instead of think about it. So that's one of the key things. I think the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of research um, that I personally find compelling around kind of that self-government. If, if, if we have the right targets and vision in place, we don't need a ton of detail. And, for example, for a support team member, um, really detailed breakdowns of how they spent their time and utilization and, you know, how much of their minutes were in training versus, you know, break time, et cetera. We'll just give them the targets and say, hey, figure it out, do the best you can, provide them with the tools to get better and let them speak up. And so we invite their input on that and helping them sort of build the factory, if you will, with us instead of us building it for them. Um, and I think that helps a lot too, but it does require adopting processes to different team members comfort zones. Some will speak up in meetings, as you say, others need documents, others need focus groups. Um, We changed our experience metric earlier this year uh, for measuring success across all of our channels. And and that was a process in which we spent a lot of time. We knew it was the right metric, but we spent a lot of time listening, gathering feedback, and we learned a ton. It didn't change our feeling, but it helped us roll out the process in a very different way than we ordinarily or, or, or originally set out to. 
So, you know, I think there's always a balance there, but it, for me, it comes down to trusting your people, um, taking the time to actually listen and make sure everybody has a voice in one way or another. And then, you know, when things do go wrong, those are the important moments. What do you communicate to your team at that point when you, you know, go after them hard? Are you saying, don't take risks any longer, take the safe route? You know, there's just such an interesting balance there. But I think that's, for me anyway, what one of the primary functions of leadership is to, to solve for. Absolutely. No, it really is. And, and, you know, Nate, to add on to that, um, and most of the folks that are, that, that are listening to this show, especially folks that are running these, these customer experience, these customer service and these selling teams, every single person's different too. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big, that's a big part of this is understanding that it's, t- you're right. You can't, can't always make a one singular uniform approach that fits each person on your team. You really do have to be flexible. You've got to be open and, and adaptable to changing with each person that's in front of you. And you really do need to take those, uh, all the good from the pillars that you're building for the business and the team and, and, and sort of fit the, fit how they're going to, you know, manage all of these different personalities on the team. And I find that super, super interesting. And I always found it to be something that was one of the, one of the, the challenging, but fun parts of, of managing these teams and of building these teams and of helping, helping companies to scale these teams out. So that's, that's, that's all fantastic stuff that you're talking about. Um, I'd love to kind of move the camera to a different angle for a second. And we talked a bunch about all of these great, these great uh, things that we're thinking about with the four CX success pillars. Can you talk with the CX nation about maybe one of the pillars that has caused the most consternation or stress for you and your teams in the past? Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. I, I, I'll cheat a little bit because I think there are two that are really closely related for us, sure. the process yeah. and feedback. Okay. Um, we're we're at an interesting stage, just to give a little bit of a backdrop to why these two blend together. Um, at, we're in an interesting stage at Thumbtack in that, um, you know, we, we, we kind of grew as a company very quickly to that unicorn status of a startup with, you know, certain uh, valuation, basically over a billion dollar valuation. Yep. Um, things look really positive. Uh, and, and they were. But we made a decision. We felt like this goes back about... Uh, you know, nine months to 12 months ago to to change our, our model as a company, basically saying, look, we're doing well, but we think we could do even better. Um, so we made some very strategic, conscientious decisions not to prioritize growth for a year to try to rebuild our model in a way that we felt like was fair to our marketplace and to our pros. Sure. That has been an enormously challenging process that I think uh, in some ways, we underestimated the difficulty of that change, and we're still in the thick of it now, um, starting to see positive results. But for the team, there were things in the experience from a product standpoint that we got early reads on are not working as well as we'd hoped. Hmm. You know, pros are unhappy about this. Yep. Um, or, you know, this function is causing unanticipated consequences that we didn't plan for. Sure. And our agents are, I think, very skilled at seeing those and understanding what those gaps in the experience are what we didn't do well enough as a company i think over the last three or four months was take some of those lessons and very quickly take them into action turn them into actionable feedback for our product and and marketing teams especially um so that's that's a core focus now something we're trying to solve for 
it's always tricky because, you know, things can look different on the front lines. And, and to take one feature in particular, the feedback we were hearing on this one specific feature that basically allowed a pro to select jobs outside of their typical um, range of jobs that they would, you know, be interested sure. in. Yeah, yeah. And say, hey, you might, you're a piano teacher. You might be interested in piano tuning or something like that. Um, uh, we were hearing a lot of negative feedback on that. And if you'd ask agents at the front line or, or even our team, hey, is this feature working? We would have said, oh, no way. It's just a disaster. Um, but <laughs> they the, always the know, Nate. They always know. <laughs> right. Interestingly, in this case, though, we were hearing from a very vocal minority of like 5 to 10% okay. who it wasn't working for. But by and large, for most people, it was working fairly well. Mm. Um, so, you know, those are figuring that equation out is also part of that process of how do we be a little bit cautious at times about our feedback or balance it against, you know, the, the possibility that you've got a vocal minority you know population that's giving you this feedback so those are the things we're working on we're tightening up those feedback loops i think thumbtack's a very responsive company in that way and the best ideas will win out here um, in this environment which is important so i think we're making good progress on tightening those loops up finding ways to meet with product regularly share that feedback back open up those channels at the right times and in the right media I love it. I think that, that, that that's spot on. And, and for many of our, our startup founder listeners or some of our startup CX uh, managers that are listening, um, listen to Nate right there because getting that feedback and getting in touch with product and getting in touch with selling and marketing is going to be critical to your company's success. And also, it's going to make your day-to-day job much easier as you manage that front line and you're talking and interacting with customers each and every day. So I love it. Yeah. Uh, Nate, I would like to, I mean, we've already been, uh, this has been fantastic. We're already chatting a ton about the Thumbtack, uh, you know, customer experience team, but I'd love to, 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 to get a little bit deeper if we can. Just starting with the basics, can you talk with the CX Nation a little bit about uh, your, your team at Thumbtack? So just simple things. Where are you guys located? How is the team structured? What's, who, who, who's the team made up of? Can you give us a little bit of color on the team that you're working hand in hand with at each and every single day? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, so we have two offices in the in the U.S. Um, our headquarters are in San Francisco, um, and our operations teams, which consist of our success, sales, and managed accounts, and our customer support phone channel, um, is in Salt Lake City. And there are a lot of other teams here in Salt Lake as well. So those are kind of our two hubs. Um, I tend to be back and forth between offices you know, a couple times a month, typically. Um, For the team here in Salt Lake and in what we call our customer experience operations team, um, there are several sort of spokes on that wheel. Uh, Customer support is the largest of those teams. And that actually includes our our team uh, that works in the Philippines as well. Um, So we've got a group of uh, very good, very smart people there. Um, we've got our, our core phone team here. What we've tried to do with that team in particular is actually segment our, our marketplace a little bit so we focus our, our resources in the ways where they can add the most value to our pro population. Um, so Salt Lake is focused on a specific type of conversation and a specific you know type of pro, uh, and, and uh, we feel like that's the fairest to our marketplace and those that are you know adding substantial value there. Um, Beyond that, 
with CS, we have uh, a learning and content team that have closely related uh, functions. They're both internal and external. So if you think of the internal function of those teams, they are to enable our, our operations teams with the right you know, knowledge articles, talking points, training, learning opportunities, et cetera, including some of the soft stuff around you know, just people development and professional development generally that we prioritize. They also have an external focus, which is to you know keep our help center up to date for our learning team. They're right now working really hard on scaling up our digital learning channels for uh, our our marketplace itself. So that's the pros. Kind and, of. And Nate, what it, does that mean? So just get, help me out. What does that mean exactly? What are they helping the pros build out in terms of digital content? Yeah. So so if you think of of our assisted channels, you know, phone, text, chat, etc as you know pros reaching out to us getting answers and so forth yep. what what we try to do on the digital side from a self-help standpoint is make sure that you know those those pros that maybe don't want to give us a call have good information on how to be successful for example what okay. what is thumbtack so you yep. can you can go on you can take a 30 minute course if you want to that it'll help you set up your profile and start you know, participating in the platform in a way that will lead to success or, you know, make it most likely. Obviously, you'll still need some skill to win jobs. But um, so it's that whole self-help ecosystem that we're prioritizing there and trying to get better at. I'm giving people personalized learning and content opportunities in their moment of need, you know, before they even have to reach out to us. That's the goal anyway. Um, And as I mentioned, yeah, in saying that, I always feel a little bit sheepish because i think we've got a lot of work to do to get where we want to be but you know that's kind of the goal um and and then we have uh, our quality and 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 customer experience strategy team which is focused i guess in traditional quality you know is, is focused often on lapses or non-compliance or things like that we actually don't really take that view we I think I have the luxury of having some really good teams and people who just sort of, you know, want to do a good job. So the problem isn't that they, if we turn our backs, they'll, they'll immediately start slacking off. The problem is how do we keep them motivated, encouraged, and driving, you know, to get better so that our quality and CX teams are really focused on what are the top plays we need to be good at, how are we doing across those plays, what learning opportunities do people have, and then also grabbing those insights that we talked about in the feedback and process stuff and sharing those back with our product and marketing teams on a very regular basis. Hey, you guys need to hear this call because it's indicative of a trend we're having right now. Or we're running into gaps here that we can't solve because, you know, the product experience isn't tuned the way it should be. So this this isn't actually something we can train to, for example. So they're making those judgments about is it a skill gap is it a talking point gap? We need more content or learning, or is it actually a product gap? Um, and they're sharing those back. So that's kind of the core function of the team. We're, we're just currently now building out a new team also focused on uh, sort of automation of some of this stuff. So that would be, you know, using chatbots, using AI, some of those things in the right ways, yep, um, of yep. course. So that's kind of the team structure. I love it. That's 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 fantastic. It sounds like you've got uh, an incredible team that you're that that you're you know leading and helping to build and helping to manage. I imagine that the folks on it, you guys probably hear some super interesting conversations both between your customers and between your pros. So I gotta, I'd love to be a fly on the wall on on on, on some of your your, uh, your your calls just because it, it, I, I can imagine that they get pretty entertaining from time to time. Oh, they do. You know, I would say <laughs> it. 
the the challenge, the curse and the blessing of Thumbtack is, you know, and not to speak ill of anybody else's products, but if you're buying, say, I don't know, pick one, a fitness product, for example, and calling their customer support, hey, how does this thing work? Yep. You don't usually get really super engaged or passionate about that thing. You might be annoyed if it doesn't work and angry. Right. But we are dealing with people's livelihoods, like in a, in a very literal sense. Um, as a, a platform that helps them win business, if you're, I don't know, a painter getting started in your business and using Thumbtack to find new customers and we fail you, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So the conversations we have um, can be very passionate at times. And uh, we, we are a company, though, at our core that wants to do right by our pros and are putting an enormous amount of effort into trying to make this an experience that they love, come back to, find value in, think is fair. But, well, yeah, they can. we can have some interesting conversations for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Nate, can you share some advice and tips for young upcoming CX and sales reps or even startup founders and small business owners as it relates to customer experience or curating that that optimal customer experience? Yeah, you know, this isn't necessarily CX specific generally, but the best advice I ever got was just to stay curious and hungry about learning all kinds of different things. Um, uh, there's a guy that wrote a book, and I, I've forgotten his name offhand. Um, Potter, I think, is his last name. But the book is called Leading Change, and he highlights this principle at the end of it really well. He says, basically, I've seen leaders who have natural aptitude and talent come in and do really well in the first part of their career. But they quickly get to this point where they shut themselves off and they think, I now know this. I'm really good at this. And they are. But they plateau as a result. Yeah. He said, I've seen other executives and leaders who maybe start lower down on that spectrum but are just hungry. They have that growth mindset. They're not really concerned about, does this help me meet my goals for the next 30 to 60 days? It's just, this is interesting stuff, yep. and they're soaking it all in. Yep. And you know, he kind of calculates those growth curves a little bit and says, as those people enter their 30s and 40s and 50s, they get exponentially better than the people who started with a ton of talent and skill but didn't allow themselves to progress and just be humble and soak in new information, learn from others, admit mistakes, etc. So I know it's a really, it's kind of a platitude almost, but I really feel like that's true. And if, if you're going to pick one attitude that can help you in your career, for me, that's, that's the thing. It's, you know, that long view, that just being hungry, curious, humble sort of attitude about lots of different things because it all starts to add and build. You don't notice it at first, but it, it makes you a lot better over time. It absolutely does, Nate. It absolutely does. Very well said. I mean, always be learning. Always be finding new ways of absorbing information and constantly be thinking about how you can expand to your own personal playbook. I completely agree, my friend. Totally agree. All right, Nate, I have awesome. a fire round question for you, sir. Fire round question okay. here. Okay, so I would like to know, I want you to tell the CX Nation, tell us about one of the most entertaining customer experiences that you've had over the years. It could be a phone call. It could be in person. It could even be an email that went on for days. Tell the CX Nation about one of the most entertaining customer experiences you've ever had. <laughs> Oh, this is this is not flattering, but the one that comes to mind is actually a mistake that I made. That's okay. Um, That's I, all right. 
I won't mention the client specifically, but we were working with a, a large uh, quick service um, food industry company. And we were dealing with a whole bunch of different performance issues for uh, their their store management across the country, you know, assistant managers, managers, area managers, things like that. Anyway, long story short, at a certain point, um, I did what, you know, no good customer experience professional should ever do. I put into an email something that I thought was, it was responding to a meeting invite that I thought would only reach one person and it got forwarded. <laughs> and it wasn't flattering to the client. Oh, no. That, yeah. It, it, luckily, I had the sense I had written it much more scathing because I was not a big fan of the way we were approaching this problem. And I didn't think it was the right solution. I had written this you know, email that was very blunt and like, this is you know, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We, it's not going to work. Right. And I walked that back five degrees, but I should have walked it back ten degrees. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it... it, it it just led to a month of, you know, troubleshooting and <laughs> lost trust. And did you, you know, your customer silly. responded? Your customer responded to that note right away. Oh yeah, oh, I, I got nice. an email immediately nice. saying, "I don't think this was intended for me." <laughs> Whoops! Sorry, <laughs> I sorry said, about that, customer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, um, <laughs> "Yeah, you're absolutely right." Yep. And you know, we had a conversation about it, and and I had to apologize and try to set it right, but. <laughs> I love it. So, so wait. Now I have to. I have to. We have to finalize the segment. So, what did you learn about this day? What did you learn about this one experience that you had here? Well, I, I think that the immediate painful lesson was don't put anything <laughs> in writing or say anything like this yeah. in those kinds of forms, right? Yeah. But the, the other, the other more subtle lesson I feel like was I had, I think, in hindsight, rushed to judgment on a couple of things. And, you know, that's, it was a painful lesson, but a really helpful one for me in the long term in that, okay, there are times when you think, you know, and man, that is so stupid. Why would they ever do that? Right. And it's just such a good, I think, kind of discipline to be able to hold off and suspend judgment and be able to talk about that situation. So it was a good lesson for me that way. I love it, man. That's great. That's great. Nate, is there anything uh, that you would like to pitch to the CX Nation as far as upcoming events, conferences, books, articles, new team positions, anything at all that you'd like to pitch to the CX Nation? Yeah, you know, I'd love to just mention one thing in particular, um, and thanks for the the opportunity. I uh, I actually have two positions open on my team right now. One is a brand new position we just opened. I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's managing our, our um, digital and automated channels uh, going forward. Awesome. So, um, actively recruiting on that would love to talk to people who may be interested in a position like that in Salt Lake. And yep. then the second one is, um, as we look at bringing our, our CX strategy and our quality groups together, uh, a leader for that team as well. So that'll be a and brand new position. Is that in Salt um, Lake city as well, Nate? Also in Salt Lake. Yeah. Both of those would be great strategic positions for the right person, you know, looking to, you know, either step into or continue kind of that management level guidance in, in either the digital side of customer experience, the automated side or the, you know, assisted channels, um, experience. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, absolutely. We'll make sure that we get this out to the CX nation. And then, uh, again, guys, if you have any questions at all, Nate, where's the best way that folks can reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, if I'm always interested in in just having conversations or chatting about these roles, if anybody's interested, or you know, whatever comes to mind. So, my email here is n as in Nate 
um, Chai, that's my last name, C-H-A-I, at Thumbtack. So perfect. That's, that's the easiest way. Perfect. Well, look, Nate, it has been our absolute pleasure. We were so excited to have you on the CX Chronicles podcast. Um, the, the conversation was awesome. The story was awesome. The learnings are fantastic. Uh, it's been our, our, our pleasure having you on the show. I want you to keep in touch in the future. And, uh, and again, thank you so much for sharing your story with the CX Nation today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Adrian. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, Nate. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles. Be sure to subscribe, save, and share with all of your fellow CXers. And until next time... Make happiness a habit, CX Chronicles Nation. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. Thanks again to Nate Chai coming on the show today. Guys, I wanted to just uh, give a friendly reminder for all of you that are listening. Please uh, take some, take a couple minutes to pop into iTunes. Uh, make sure you leave a rating, leave a review for the CX Chronicles podcast. It's going to help us get new listeners, help us find new new members of the CX Nation. Um, and if you haven't had a chance, check out some of the new updates that we've made to the CXChronicles.com website, uh, as well as our social, uh, our social avenues on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. Thanks so much, guys.